0: To the silver screen. Welcome back, listeners, to the third installment in my Die Hard movie review series. Today, I am reviewing Die Hard with a Vengeance. This is your host, Corbin. Last week, we took a break from Die Hard. We reviewed Alan's birthday pick, which was Waves. So if you haven't heard Alan's birthday pick for this year, or for any years for that matter, All of his birthday picks are linked below. So go ahead and check out those films, those reviews. But this week we are jumping back into Die Hard. And if you haven't subscribed yet, you're going to want to click that subscribe button no matter where you're listening. Because I'm going to be reviewing the rest of the Die Hard movies. We're going to be reviewing the new Uncharted movie. Alan's coming back for that one. That's my birthday pick, actually. That's the first time I've announced that publicly. So... Pretty intrigued about this new Uncharted movie since I'm a huge fan of the video games. Then after that, we will be finally getting to the As of Now Kingsman trilogy. Curious about that to say the least, but no matter where you're at, hit subscribe, leave a five-star rating and a short written review. That really is a great free way to help out the podcast. And if you're ready to just jump straight in, we've got timestamps in the description below. We have all kinds of goodies down there. Actually, you're not going to want to miss out on. So scroll on down, check out that stuff below. So if I was alive in 1995, which turns out I was, this was the first diehard movie I was alive. For. um, I was a wee lad at the time. This came out in May. I was born in February, so I was about three months old. Definitely wasn't at the theaters seeing this one. At least as far as my knowledge goes, <laughs> I wasn't at the theaters seeing Die Hard Three. I definitely don't remember anything. But if I was old enough to purchase an R-rated ticket back then, would the trailer get me in to see this at the theaters, or would I just wait to rent it? Well. Trailer voices here. I I love the trailer voice. I can do the trailer voice myself. I find it a lot of fun. It's a well-edited trailer. It does show off, I think, a little bit too much. I think they're trying a little bit too hard to kind of be like, hey, guys, remember John McClane? Remember Die Hard? I know it's been half a decade. But, you know, it would get me into theaters. It looks exciting. It looks crazy. It looks like a really fun time at the cinema. And if you want to know about the making of Die Hard 3, the production behind um, all of that, last week um, I released your guide to Die Hard with a Vengeance. So that's the first link below. Go ahead and check that out. Listen to that first. It'll give you all of the background you need to know, put you back into the mindset of what it was like when the film was coming out in 1995. Well, listeners, if you haven't seen Die Hard with a Vengeance and you don't want it spoiled for you as of the time of this recording, it is currently available to watch on Amazon Prime Video. So if you subscribe there, um, you can go ahead and stream it. But of course, it is available on all you know currently available physical media platforms for you to buy or rent. Um, So it's easy to get your hands on. This one's pretty simple to get your hands on. But if you don't want it spoiled for you, click pause right now. Going to spoil it, then come back and click play. We'll be ready to talk about it. So this is my 32nd plot summary. McLean has lost his wife and he's back on the NYPD, but barely. A German guy calls him off suspension that day. Zeus is a good Samaritan helping him not get hurt in Harlem. They team up cause they have to and run around solving riddles to stop bombs. The German guy sends them on a wild goose chase so he can get down into the New York subway to rob the New York Federal Reserve. McLean and Zeus split up. McLean transports to a view to a kill and they re-team up to jump on a barge where they finally confront the German guy who's actually Gruber's brother from the first movie. Meanwhile, Zeus's nephew's school nearly blows up. Psych, it was all a fake out. McLean escapes the boat and finds Gruber is staying in Canada because of his aspirin bottle. The NYPD invades Canada, and McLean shoots the power lines, which blows up Gruber's helicopter, and they win. Immediately, I am happy to see John McTiernan is back. I fully believe... He's probably the main reason why Die Hard ended up being as good as it is. His direction style, his, you know, eye for the camera for action is really unparalleled when it comes to directors and action films. Um, honestly, if it's a McTiernan film, I pay attention. I'm, my ears perk up. So, um, immediately, and also we don't have the same screenwriters back, but. This is a very good screenplay for the most part. We'll talk about why it, that's it for the most part. But they do immediately set up the bad guy in McClane in a very mysterious way. So immediately I'm I'm pulled in, I'm intrigued. It also starts with a bomb going off at an apartment store, which seems really strange. Samuel L. Jackson's character has a really nice introduction in this as well. He is talking to his nephews about, you know, take take care of yourself, look out for yourself. You know, don't let anybody give you any handouts. Be your own person. Um, Don't expect anything in life. I think that's actually a great message um, that more people need to hear today. Um, And of course, him teaming up with McLean was strange. I was wondering how in the world are these two going to team up in this movie? And it's a funny way that uh, it all occurs. But the great thing about this is there's great chemistry between the two actors. I love seeing them play off of each other throughout this movie. Some truly funny parts. Um, I would say he's McLean's best companion across the trilogy so far. One other thing they do exceedingly well is the city seems alive and not just extras walking around. They really did film this in New York City, and you can tell... Um Honestly, it feels very much jungle style like they did with um the Bourne movies when Greengrass became involved. They just took a camera and they ran. They didn't shut anything down. They ran with it. Um I don't think they quite did that for some of this. That would be extremely dangerous. But nevertheless, it, it really does feel like New York. So I'm sure a lot of these extras may actually not be extras. For the first part of the movie, there are a lot of riddles involved. I like this. I think it's a smart way to engage the audience intellectually and kind of take guns out of the equation for at least the first half of the movie. There's going to be plenty of shooting later on, but kind of doing something different. Because so with Die Hard, we just expect, you know, tons of shooting and craziness. This, we, we get these riddles. We get this more of an intellectual challenge from the villain, which I think was a smart way to introduce the bad guy. One of the scenes in this movie I will not forget is the taxi run through the city where they drove a taxi through Central Park. They crashed it around. It is wildly exciting. I don't think I've ever seen something this adrenalizing before as far as a car chase goes. I mean, I, I found it to have even more adrenaline than some a car chase you would find in the Bourne movies, which I think those have tons of adrenaline with their car chases, but... The way McTiernan moves the camera around, it it just looks like this is all real. Like they're about to get run over. It's really exciting. So even though it was spoiled for me, the villain is Gruber's brother. We don't see him like physically until 40 minutes into the movie. This works for me. 40 minutes may seem like a long time, but it's paced well enough that it's actually nice not getting to see who this guy is. It just creates even more suspense until you finally see him standing above them in a building watching with binoculars it works really well um also one of my other favorite scenes is the robbery scene where they rob the Federal Reserve we actually take the focus off McLean and Zeus for a while and we just get to see how they're futilely you know running around and while they're doing that this really slick heist scene uh that's set to um Johnny goes marching in. It's great. It's great usage of the song and uh, it's just really well edited together. I got to say, listeners, I'm surprised this movie didn't actually get an Oscar. The first one did. This one really should have gotten Oscar for editing, um, maybe even for cinematography, actually, for how well this is shot. I think it's really unfortunate that the Academy overlooked this one. There are also some... Surprises here, particularly racial commentary is laced throughout here about how we have a black man and a white man that don't really want to work together, not because of their race, but just because there was some contentious racial moments going on in America at the time and how they kind of funnel that in here is I could see it being a little dicey, but I it, some of it's funny. Some of it's funny how blatantly they just call out certain things and how they really do work together. I really, really liked it. Um, There's not really much of a payoff for it. In Now Playing's review, Stuart calls that out, how there's pretty much a payoff for everything, almost too many payoffs. That's my opinion. But he did bring up a good point. There isn't really much of a payoff for the racial commentary, unfortunately. Now, there is one if the audience wants to see it, but the film doesn't call it out. Um, Speaking of payoffs, though, we do see Zeus tell his nephews to go to school to, you know, go to school and get your education. But that will actually be a danger to them because supposedly the bad guy has planted a lethal weapon in there, a bomb for it to go off. Um, Funny enough, Raymond is played by a young Aldous Hodge. You're not a very famous actor. I wouldn't be surprised if that name doesn't ring any bells. He was um, more recently in um, One Night in Miami. Which is a great film you should check out but it was fun to see him here in a very young role um there is a good twist here um even a twist for the audience the bad guys are saying they're just tricking everyone they're blowing up the gold um just to you know snub their nose at the west when in fact they are keeping the gold um so there is good payoffs here there are good twists here the wild Goose chase is genius but hilarious you know throughout most of the movie but That's where my positives stop. There is a clear delineation, I would say, where this movie loses me. And that's the whole tunnel stuff, which gets confusing when they're going, when they're chasing all of these dump trucks throughout the city, and then they just show up at these tunnels and they follow the dump trucks into the tunnels. But Zeus goes to Yankee Stadium where he learns another clue. This is when you realize that the movie is going too fast for its own good. Um, I, I really did like Stewart's analogy how this, <laughs> this film is skidding over water and at a certain point it just starts to hydroplane. That is a great way of putting it where the plot begins to hydroplane and it just can't stop. And it becomes so discombobulated, so jumbled. And at a certain point you realize this movie doesn't need to be over two hours long. I mean, I don't think any action movie really should be two hours long. If it's two hours long, it's probably too long. Same with like romantic comedies. The Holiday is a great film, but it's too long. I think that's just an example I pulled out for a romantic comedy. So this is troubling. Now, the other movies were roughly two hours long as well, but I thought they were too long also. Honestly, by the time this movie was done, it feels like I just binged a mini series. There's so much packed into this movie. I feel like I'm watching, it really does feel like episodes one, two, and three. And it was written by a guy who is just coming fresh off of TV. So it makes sense. This is, you know, paced as episodes one, two, and three. And I mean, you could watch it that way. Maybe you would enjoy it a little bit more and give you a little bit more time to concentrate because there are so many minute details. I was confused. Throughout this, how McLean is putting certain things together. It's almost a little too slickly paced and, you know, not paced, but just placed together. Unfortunately, there's too many things that interlock too well. Um, it's a lot to keep track of, um, particularly in the second act of the film, but mostly the third act of the movie. Really loses me when you think they're done with, but they're not. And they had no idea how to write the show down. They shouldn't go to Canada and invade Canada, which is utterly ridiculous. And he shouldn't shoot him with just a power line. That's how he defeats this villain. It's a really, really unsatisfying, weak way. You want to see these two come face to face, just like he did with his brother Gruber. And watch, you know, the light in his eyes go out as he falls from that building. We really don't get that. We just get to see McLean. Be really smart once again and shoot the power lines down, which hits the helicopter, which causes it to catch on fire. And that's just the end of the movie. So the first act is phenomenal. At a certain point, I really was thinking this was going to be better than the original. Act two gets very, very muddled at to a certain point where I really just lose interest. And I just kind of want this movie to get on with it and wrap it up. Act three really, unfortunately, goes into weird territory. I I mentioned a view to a killer earlier, where he's going down these tunnels that are flooding and he shoots out of them. And I'm like, and Zeus just happens to be driving by when he shoots out of these tunnels. It's it's too much. It's very disappointing how this movie really, you know, kind of it's crazy, crazy dense. I mean, they go all over the place. It is ADHD on steroids at a certain point. It gets to be way too much. There's way too much happening. Um, but I will say the one thing that they do a lot better than Die Hard 2 is that Die Hard 2 had an ensemble cast with Willis trying his best to stay in the spotlight. This still has other characters, but nevertheless, they feel more rock solid. They feel like they genuinely have something worthwhile to do, and they're doing it, and you're, you're invested in their heroism as well, male and female. So I was very impressed the film was able to achieve that. Die Hard with a Vengeance, for the first half at least, had the possibility to be better than the original Die Hard. McTiernan knows better than any director how to shoot action. It feels different but so similar this really is the true direct sequel. If you want the further adventures of John McClane, you've got Die Hard 2. But I was so pleased with this film, that is until the second half. Maybe speed was an influence, but this plot is full speed ahead and that's to the film's detriment. After a while, the story gets so far ahead of itself, I can no longer keep up. And once the third act hits, nothing can really invest me back into the movie. It's a shame considering how invested I originally was. The ending is a missed opportunity because they just have to run to one more location to have a weird, unsatisfying shootout. Don't get me wrong though, listeners, I'm seriously impressed with this third installment. It's one of the best sequels ever made. Die Hard with a Vengeance receives 8 stars out of 10 with a strong recommend. I'm just putting it a smidge below the original Die Hard. So there is an alternate ending to this movie. Originally, Gruber did get away. McClane was fired from the NYPD and he was even under suspicion for helping Gruber. He tracks Gruber down to a European country where they kind of have a standoff and McLean shoots him with an RPG and just blows him up. Um, it was a dark ending. The studio wasn't terribly happy with it. So there are these two weird endings. They didn't know how to wrap it up. One is much different from the other. Surprisingly, if you've seen Salt with Angelina Jolie, there is a cut of the film that involves a similar-ish ending at least in structure to the ending of this Die Hard 3 film. The ending that we got isn't terrible. Um, It's just unsatisfying. But I am happy to report Die Hard 2 is just the weird one-off, I would say. This really does feel like an actual sequel. You could skip Die Hard 2 and you really wouldn't miss anything at all. Die Hard 2 is just, you know, extracurricular. If you want More adventures. It's there, but it's really unnecessary. It's just more of a bad dream we can forget about. Thankfully, it's not tied into Die Hard 3 really whatsoever. Would I pick this one up and add it to my collection or would I pass on it? I would definitely pick up Die Hard 3 and add it to my collection. I'm definitely going to do that someday. As for other film and TV recommendations, I'm going to be recommending Speed. I've talked about that throughout this podcast, um, if you haven't checked it out already, it is an exciting Die hard s ripoff. I'm also going to be recommending Cliffhanger with Sly Stone. That's another one that took a lot from the Die Hard formula and just threw Sylvester Stallone in there and put it up in the mountains. Um, And of course, I'm going to be just re- recommending The Born Trilogy. Um, that's another one I think gives a similar feeling with some of these actiony vibes. It was just over 12 years later that Bruce Willis returned for Live Free or Die Hard, which I have never seen, I know nothing about, except he fights a Harrier jet. Mary Elizabeth Winstead may be his daughter, and according to some scoring outlets, it's the second best Die Hard film by a wide margin. So I'm trying to temper my expectations because some people say it's bad, some people say it's amazing. So I'm very curious, Justin Long is in it, I don't know how I feel about that, We get Bald Willis, finally. And the fact that it's taking place over 12 years later, I'm expecting this to not feel like a Die Hard movie. It's going to be different. So curious to see that one, listeners, where that one goes. Well, listeners, the question after the show is, Die Hard 3 better than Die Hard 1? I think it's close, but I don't think so. But I think some of you might, so I want to know your answers. Why or why not? Email me at silverscreenguide95 at gmail.com. The question and the email are in the notes below, so check in the description below. I'm curious to um, hear your answers and talk about it, read out some answers on the show, so make sure to send me an email with your thoughts. Well, listeners, thank you for joining me on this review for Die Hard with a Vengeance. I'm excited to work on the rest of the series and come back with my birthday pick here soon. So make sure if you haven't subscribed yet, make sure you do subscribe and we'll see you soon, listeners. Hey listeners, it's Corbin. Don't forget to check out the exciting links in the description below that will connect you with more great movie reviews for your listening pleasure and our YouTube, Facebook, and Twitter page. And of course, our official website where you can read great articles and sign up for our free weekly newsletter. Also, if you want exclusive bonus content, such as extra movie reviews, movie commentaries, and our thoughts on the latest movie news and trailers, plus more, then check out our Patreon page. It's a great way to help keep this show free, and it gives you great content that's yours to keep. All of that and more is found in the description below. Don't forget to subscribe, whether you're on YouTube, Apple, google or stitcher or your favorite podcast service and while you're at it please leave us a five-star review so other movie lovers can more easily find our podcast we love talking about movies and we love talking about them with you so don't forget to share with your friends and family and we'll see you next week listeners